after a long pause, you might think this is deja vu, but after a long pause, we're going back to the series we were in the midst of about four months ago, a series called To the Ends of the Earth. We're going to continue our working through the book of Acts. I wanted to finish that up because I want to have a complete scope of the early church and some of the things that they encountered. So we can call this Acts 201 if you want, instead of Acts 101. Uh, I, mean, I want to give you a bit of a recap since it's been a while since we've talked about the book of Acts. Do you remember the verse that we talked about almost every week? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Anybody want to quote it? No, nobody wants to quote it. Okay. But you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We talked about this being the kind of guideline for the book of Acts, that the gospel message started in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came and indwelled the believers who were meeting in an upper room, and they began to speak in other tongues. And they began to proclaim the message in other languages that were heard and were then taken back to the places where those people were from. It was proclaimed first in Jerusalem. Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And the gospel message continues to move to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit came and it wasn't long before there were thousands more believing in Jesus Christ and His work. God's power is being shown through the disciples who are preaching and proclaiming His Word. They're doing miracles. They're healing. They're trusting God in the midst of harsh persecutions, in the midst of imprisonments, in the midst of facing death and even being martyred for what they believe. God even begins to use this kind of ragtag band of believers to spread the gospel to a Gentile nation. And in the midst of that, God chooses one man. His name is Saul. To be his messenger to the Gentiles. Saul was completely against those who believed in Jesus Christ. If you remember, he was ravaging the church, as the Bible tells us, until one day he had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter, and that encounter changed his life. His name was changed to Paul, and he went from persecuting those who believed in Jesus to promoting the gospel in a matter of days. Paul begins planting and establishing churches. He goes on several missionary journeys. The book of Acts helps us not only understand the history of of the church, but it also gives us the purpose of the church and how that purpose was being played out by those of the early church. We're going to pick up this morning in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up to Acts chapter 15. We're going to start reading in verse 36. Acts 15, 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, remember Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement. Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we 
where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back. We've preached in these cities. I want to go back and see how they're doing. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have phones. They didn't have instant messenger. They didn't have text messaging. They could send letters, but it wasn't the same thing. It took a long time to get a response, and it, wasn't, it was hard to communicate then because by the time the letter got there and the letter got back, a lot had changed. So Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back. Let's go back and encourage them. Let's go back and instruct them. Verse 37, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Our text this morning talks about some realities of conflict. The first reality of conflict is that conflicts are going to happen. Conflicts will happen. This goes for not only those outside the church, but sometimes conflicts happen within the church as well. This goes for those who aren't Christians as well. Sometimes we as Christians can have conflict. Hopefully you're not elbowing the person next to you right now. <laughs> sometimes there is conflict. In our text this morning, Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement. It comes about because of an event that happened two chapters earlier. In Acts chapter 13, verse 13, it says this, And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. That seems pretty innocent, right? But apparently there was more to this story in Acts 13 that we're now learning in Acts chapter 15. It caused some damage in their relationships. Now Paul is concerned about John leaving them again. In verse 38, Paul says, Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Paul's worried. Is John Mark going to just desert us again? Is he going to hinder our work? Is he going to distract from what we're going to do? Whatever the concern was, Paul and Barnabas are at odds with each other. They're in a disagreement. The word here translated sharp disagreement means they were completely at odds with one another. This is Paul. Paul, the man chosen by God, the man chosen to evangelize the Greek world, God's chosen instrument. Paul, who in Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. He's in conflict with Barnabas. Both Paul and Barnabas are adamant about their stances 
with John Mark. We call this today stubborn. But the fact is we're all fallen people engaging with other fallen people and that means there's going to be times of conflict. Paul and Barnabas were just fallen people and, and I believe the Bible gives us this to let us know that they were just people who struggled at times as well. Luke could have very easily just left this out. Yeah, and Barnabas decided to go this way and Paul decided to go that way. He could have not told us that there was a sharp disagreement. But he chose to put that in there. God instructed him to place that in our biblical text. And I think it's to help us know that even the leaders of the early church, people that were spoken directly to by God, they struggled too. They disagreed at times too. I have a short little video of a man that's looking, looking for an argument. You guys ready back there? They're shaking their heads yes. Is this the right one for an argument? I've told you once. <laughs> no, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. I did. I didn't. I'm telling you I did. You did not. Oh, I'm sorry, is this a five-minute argument or the full half hour? Oh, oh, just the five-minute one. Fine. Uh, Thank you. Anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Now, let's get one thing quite clear. I most definitely told you. You did not. Yes, I did. You did not. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. You just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, then. No, no, nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. I came here for a good argument. No, you didn't. You came here for an argument. Well, an argument's not the same as contradiction. Can be. No, it can't. An argument's a connected series of statements to establish a definite proposition. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It isn't just contradiction. Look, if I argue with you, I must take up a contrary position. But it isn't just saying, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. <laughs> argument's an intellectual process. Contradiction is just the automatic gainsaying of anything the other person says. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Not at all. No, look. I... Thank you. Morning. What? That's it. Good morning. I was just getting interested. Sorry, the five minutes is up. That was never five minutes just now. I'm afraid it was. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not allowed to argue anymore. What? If you want me to go on arguing, you'll have to pay for another five minutes. But that was never five minutes just now. Oh, come on. <laughs> This is ridiculous. I'm very sorry, but I told you I'm not allowed to argue unless you pay. Oh, all right. There you are. Thank you. Well? Well, what? That was never five minutes just now. I told you I'm not allowed to argue unless you pay. I just paid. No, you didn't. I did! <laughs> I did! I did! I did! I don't want to argue about that. Well, I'm very sorry, but you didn't pay. Aha! Well, if I didn't pay, why are you arguing? Gotcha! There you have Is that? If you're arguing, I must have paid. Not necessarily. I could be arguing in my spare time. <laughs> I've had enough of this. Many of us don't go looking for an argument. We don't pay to have an argument. Arguments tend to just be right around the corner. It's been said that 
If you have five different people in a room, you're probably going to have five different opinions. The topic of unity comes up in the Bible quite often, and I believe that it's not because they were always unified as churches. The topic of unity probably comes up so often in the Bible because they struggled at times with unity. They struggled to get along. James gives us some insight into dealing with conflict. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, James writes, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you are asked you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. James gives us insight here that there are conflicts and there are quarrels that at times we face. Often the conflicts and arguments that we face are not just starting on the external, they start on the internal, James tells us. What causes these fights? What causes these quarrels? He says you desire. Where does desire start? Starts inside. You do not have. You covet. You fight. You quarrel. There's a progression here that Paul or that James is telling us about. First reality of whoa. That was fun. Let's go back. The first reality of conflict was conflicts will happen. The second reality of conflict is God works despite our fallenness. God works despite our fallenness. God's work is not limited by our anger or our arrogance or our jealousy or our stubbornness or our disobedience. God can do his work in the midst of our own sinfulness. I wish I could say in the beginning of chapter 16, it just said that Paul and Barnabas resolved their conflict and this is how it went, but that wasn't the process for them. They have this sharp disagreement and all of a sudden, they separate. They literally go their separate ways. Barnabas chooses to take John Mark with him, and he goes to Cyprus. That's Barnabas' home area. Paul chooses Silas, and they go back and revisit the churches, what he had wanted to do. There's a severe argument, and it could have devastated. It could have devastated the relationship between Paul and Barnabas, the relationship between Paul and John Mark. But God uses this argument for something greater. Now, instead of one missionary team, what happens? Now there are two missionary teams. Barnabas and John Mark, Paul and Silas, going out and spreading the gospel. They go their separate ways, but they double their efforts to proclaim the gospel to those who need to hear it. Listen to this. This means... That even when we respond to something poorly, 
or we respond to something sinfully, God can still work in that situation. God can still work to accomplish his plan. God can take whatever situations we find ourselves in, whether those are good or bad, whether from our own doing or someone else's doing, and he can turn them into a benefit for his kingdom. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The good may not feel good at the time it is happening. All things work together for good, but the good may not feel good. A person commits a crime. They are imprisoned. They're serving their sentence, but in the midst of that, they're introduced to somebody who introduces them to Jesus Christ. The crime wasn't good. The imprisonment didn't feel good. But it worked together for the good according to God's purpose. This verse is used at times to say that everything in life is going to be happy or wonderful or fun in your life, and that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying that God is going to use the things. God is going to use the situations in your life, good and bad. God is going to use the trials in your life, good and bad. God is going to use the happy moments in your life for his purpose and his kingdom. We've talked about Two realities of conflict. Conflicts will happen. God's works despite our fallenness. Finally, reconciliation is always the goal. Reconciliation is always the goal. God calls us to forgive one another. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We are called to move towards reconciliation whenever we feel wronged or have wronged someone else. Especially when it's two Christians who are in conflict with each other, we're called to reconcile. We're called to make those right. Over time, I think Paul began to realize and see how God was using John Mark. He makes this statement in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. He says, Luke alone is with me. This is Paul's final letter. He's writing to Timothy. He says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry. At some point, Paul began to see Barnabas' perspective. He began to realize how much John Mark could do in ministry. At some point, I think reconciliation took place between them. And I don't, the Bible doesn't tell us that, but this, this verse, I think, points us in that direction. 
whenever we're faced with a conflict, there are always right and wrong ways that we can be responding. So how should we respond when we're faced with conflict? I think at times we need to just switch or change our expectations. Maybe we've set our expectations too high. And so in the midst of their, the conflict coming, we need to say, oh man, did I set my expectations at the wrong spot here? Is this just a pro- problem with me that I'm, I'm having with expectations? But there's some ways we can respond biblically to conflict. These are on your your sheets. There's also verses with them. I'm not going to read through each of the verses. You can do that later in your own studies. But the first is confess any sin that you are aware of to God. Think about your motives. Think about your thoughts, your attitudes, your words, your actions. Think about those things. And if you realize some of those were sinful, confess those to God first. Secondly, it's our job to initiate with the other person first. Initiate with the other person first. There's two passages. One is in Matthew chapter 5. The other one is in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 5 tells us that if you've sinned against someone else, you are to go ask forgiveness for them. Matthew chapter 18 tells us that if someone else has sinned against you, you are still to go to them first. So no matter whose fault it is, if you realize there's conflict there, it's your job as a Christian. That's what Jesus tells us. That is hard. That is very difficult. Especially when you're the one that feels like you have been sinned against. But you start with confessing any sin. Why? Because each side plays a role in conflict. Third, pray for God's wisdom. Pray for self-control. And pray for your speech. Why? Because in the midst of an argument, in the midst of a conflict... It's easy to say something that you wish you hadn't said later. For seek to please God with your actions. Meet together and ask forgiveness for the role you played in the conflict. Like I said, there's always two sides to conflict. They're going to happen. Philippians 2, verse 3 says, Place the other person above yourself. And then, and then you discuss the issue that started the conflict. What happens? We forget to do all the steps above this. We forget to confess our sin. We forget to be the one that initiates. We forget to come and place the other person before ourselves. We forget to come together and confess sin to each other. We just step right back into whatever the argument was. And we start discussing it. What's the problem with that? The problem is we haven't done any of the work on ourselves first before we step back into that discussion. So we start right where we left off. It gets heated again. We argue again. People go away mad again. So you go through this process and you do these things biblically before this and then you start to discuss the issue. 
You begin to work on the problem. Start with what do you agree on here. Maybe there's some things that you agree on. Then talk about maybe where you're disagreeing. Begin to figure out what kind of confrontation is this. Is this a preference? The other day, Stacy was going to make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I said, can I just make it myself? I had a way I wanted my peanut butter and jelly sandwich made. We didn't get into an argument over it. She said, sure, you can make it yourself. But sometimes there's preference things that are not that big of a deal. Do you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle? Or do you, like, fold it from the end? Sometimes these are confrontations that happen, specifically in marriage. Do you get your dirty laundry into the basket or do you leave it laying on the floor? I see some of you shaking heads. <laughs> some of you are doing the elbow thing. This wasn't meant to do that. But it, some things are preferences. Other things are sin. And when they are sin, it needs to be dealt with first before God and then with each other. Some things are matters of conscience. I cannot do this in, in a manner of good conscience. and We should never force another person to be taking our side when in good conscience they don't feel like they can do something. Finally, maybe it's just a matter of wisdom and you can meet together and you can pray and say, God, give us wisdom in this matter because we aren't quite on the same page here. There's preference, there's sin, there's conscience, there's wisdom. And then begin making steps to resolve the issue. Make steps to resolve the issue. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray about this. Let's both take some time and pray for a week about this issue. And let's specifically pray in this matter. And then in a week, we're going to get back together and we're going to discuss it again. And then after that discussion, maybe it's resolved, maybe it's not. It's taking steps and then carrying out those steps as you work to resolve conflict. The reality is conflict will happen. Conflict will happen. The question then is how are you planning to respond? The problem is most people don't plan to respond. They don't think through this process. There's a conflict, there's an argument, you've said something you shouldn't, you've sinned before God and the other person, and then what do you do? This helps you walk through. You ask forgiveness from God. You begin seeking reconciliation with the other person. God calls Christians to be unified in the relationship with each other. There are times, like Paul and Barnabas, that maybe there needs to be some separation in order for God to work in each of those situations. But God calls us to reconciliation. And even in the midst of our conflicts, God is at work. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we... Thank you that you are always at work. Even when we can't see you work, you are working. Even when we can't feel you working, you are working. 
even when we're in the midst of conflict with another person, you are working. Even in the midst of struggles, hard situations, you are working. God, I pray that you would work in each of our lives to soften our hearts when we have conflict with other people. God, help us to prepare in our minds to listen with our ears speak only after listening and not to speak harshly. Paul commends us to speak the truth in love. So often we speak the truth but without love. God, continue to work despite our fallenness. God, help if there are situations in here that maybe have not been resolved. There's situations of people who are in conflict. God, may they use your word as a tool to start working towards reconciliation. God, we want to please you. We want to serve you with all that we are and all that we do. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.